You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, how's it going? Pretty exhausted after the most insane football day we've had in years. Uh, it was great to hang out. We were uh, we were at some bar in New Jersey. I don't even know where we were, out in Morristown. Great to hang out with all our, our good buddies, you know, Justin from Talking Giants and and snacks and Wes and got to hang out with some some listeners too. It was great. Yeah, it was great to meet you, Michael. Uh, it was an honor to meet you, dude. Uh, Twitter follower, you know, at nwosu five. Thanks for saying hi. Um, shout out to you, my man. Um, but it was it was fun, and uh, we couldn't have picked a better weekend for football to hang out with people. I mean, this was like insane. Uh, I would say probably like in some level, like, a historical weekend for football, right? I mean, this was – every single game was exciting as hell. I mean, we had three away teams win on last-second field goals, and then one of the most improbable endings you'll ever see to a game, but did it really seem improbable at the time? Like, it was in everybody's back of their mind. They still have 19 seconds, so it wasn't That's like it true. was just – Yeah, it was just uh, – it's really just kind of what the NFL is becoming, I think, and just seeing teams like Kansas City and Buffalo, and that's what the model, we always say all the time, what the modern NFL looks like. Having quarterbacks that can make things happen with fast guys, making plays, being aggressive, you know, be damned with fourth down, punting, going for it. It was just great to watch and just highly entertaining, and I was sweating, and I, could, I had no skin in the game other than my bad bets. Oh my God! Right? I mean, we can start right away. I mean, how wrong was I on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase being that being such a transformative pick for that team that they would be here? I mean, we got to see a really incredible upset out there. I mean, Jamar Chase really completely took over that game. It was pretty crazy, and Joe Burrow already is in two years just solidifying himself as a, a I don't know, probably in a top five consideration for quarterback. Next with, year, with no offensive line. I mean, the guy with, is with no offensive line. Life. Yeah, it's it's really really amazing. Um, I mean, did that game stun you at all? That that uh, I mean, to me, that was an upset. I really thought Tennessee was just going to have a game plan on how to attack that offensive line and how to shut down Jamar Chase, and they came up completely empty-handed. Well, I mean, I bet on Cincinnati, so no. <laughs> okay. But, uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, uh. To me, it always comes down to in a playoff game, I have my basic axiom of better coach, better quarterback. And Ryan Tannehill is a nice, serviceable quarterback. He's a type of guy that, you know, I know there are one seed, but he's average. And Joe Burrow is something special. And, you know, they're relying on Derrick Henry, who hadn't played in weeks and weeks to weeks, all of a sudden, and all of a sudden be back in 100% form. And he, you know, he was he was fine. I mean, there were times in the game he was taking over, but it's... It wasn't that slow grind down, though. No. You know what I mean? 
I mean, if you just watch, you watch large chunks of this game, you saw the pass rush that Tennessee had, and Burrow was running for his life the entire game, and, and things. You would think that this would be a blowout in Tennessee's way, but Cincinnati made plays, and you have a Gator kicking the game-winning field goal at the end. So. <laughs> I mean, you had a lot more skin in the game for the San Francisco-Green Bay game, and that one to me was truly surprising. Now, I could have seen Cincinnati beating Tennessee, but I really, really, really struggled with the idea of San Francisco, after all the injuries they sustained the week before, taking on Green Bay in Green Bay. And, I mean, I don't want to say they made it look easy, but they they made preventing Green Bay from scoring points look pretty easy. Well, you know, I always say winners win and losers lose. And hmm. you know something? I don't know if this is really hyperbole or not, but... Is Aaron Rodgers a loser? No, no, no. I was going to say first, <laughs> you know, that uh, Jimmy G, for all the faults he has and all those two or three throws a game where you just want to cover your eyes, maybe he's just a winner. I mean, this is going to be a second NFC championship game in three years. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers relatively speaking for his talent and the talent that he's had on that team may just be a loser. I mean, he it's certainly up for debate for a lot of people and we're not getting into why other people think he's a loser, but winners win and losers lose. And this just might be the case with both of these quarterbacks. Can I, can I throw one little question for you about the 49ers? Yeah, go for it. Everybody's so quick to say that, you know, they're going to move on from, uh, from, from, from Garoppolo moving forward, you know, they have Trey Lance or something. What if the 49ers decide that they want to keep Garoppolo? You know, if he wins next week, they're going to go to the Super Bowl again. He's been to the Super Bowl two out of three years, and they decide they want to keep him. Is Trey Lance the guy that's in play and someone you think could be possibly a get for a team like the Giants? Like, what's, uh, what's his value on the open market? Well, his value is there. I mean... I mean, if you're going to talk about the Giants, I wasn't a fan of his in the draft. So since that's pretty much all I've seen, I'm going on that. And and to me, that's not better than Daniel Jones. It's not going to help us. Okay. Uh, and and th- therefore, you're giving up assets for nothing. But as far as his value, I mean, if you if San Francisco feels that way, I don't think it's crazy because you trade him for whatever assets you need because eventually you're going to have to replace Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think that Jimmy G is a very, very good game manager, and he is working with a coach that knows how to run uh, an effective offense um, and utilize his strengths to put him in game-winning situations. Uh, and I think that's a very good match, but I don't think it's an optimal match. I mean, it kind of reminds me a lot of Sean McVay and Jared Goff. And eventually what happens is you realize you're not going any further with this quarterback. So they are going to eventually move on from Jimmy G, whether it's with Trey Lance or not. Now, if they decide it's not, they can trade Trey Lance for assets to obtain the next Trey Lance. You know what I mean? The next guy they think is the guy in the draft. Yeah, I think that's that's a possibility. But I think, I don't know what Jimmy G's current contract situation is like in the coming years. It might be a big factor if it involves keeping other pieces around uh they might go with trey lance anyway could you see aaron Rodgers possibly going to san francisco if he wants out as a landing yeah, spot i guess so but i don't know i don't know his contract situation either and, and what it would take to get him uh but yeah i could see that sure mm-hmm. i am um, just a couple of that would be i mean that, that i mean in, in an ironic way I, I, you're asking me yeah yeah of course that little, would be cool 
little out of the box thinking. I mean, he is from the Bay Area. You know, he went. Oh, to I Cal. mean, he, he grew up a huge Niners fan. He said it himself. Yeah, um, and he, he disowned them. And they just he disowned them when they didn't draft him on draft day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, moving into Sunday, <laughs> that Rams Bucks game went from. I mean, at, at a certain point, I think we we were at the bar at that point. We were early. We were hungry. We were thirsty. I think we had almost started to tune out of that game a little bit until halftime, right? And then there we were back in a game again, clutching our phones and, and scrolling and oof. And that's our and that's our fault because we should know better with Tom Brady. We we really should. Uh the the guy is just amazing. I mean it's just the winners win and losers lose. Well the guy he may not have won the game, but he's still a winner and he still did everything he could to get them back in the game and uh if we're not even playing that well either, relatively, it wasn't a top ten Tom Brady performance either. But that's just not a, even a little bit. I don't think. No, no. In but fact, it, I would say it was more defense. I mean, the 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 Rams were starting to choke. It is really well, what started was, to happen. That was you know people were saying that you know the final nineteen seconds in the, in the Kansas City game was the biggest choke job. But if they, LA lost that game, that would have been the biggest choke job. They did everything they could to try to get that game back i mean the, you know having having cam Akers fumble i mean it's just like <laughs> oh my god it was, yeah. nice to, it was nice to see the two seminoles just completely choke you know and what's it in the, the the corner it was just great for me personally um but and know, matt the, gay uh, revenge game too exactly yeah which really put the dagger in all of our Buck friend's heart, you know, that was, you know, we were at that game two years ago or three years ago, whenever it was, when he, when he, he shanked that, that field goal. Daniel game. Jones's first game. First, that's yeah, right. yeah, that's right, his first game. Yeah. Um. So interesting, interesting thing about Tampa Bay is that um, Brady might actually call it quits as uh, they're kind of in a bad cap situation, right? They're in a horrible cap situation. Yeah, this is, this was kind of like, they went all in last year and this year and, uh, you know, I, I Bruce Arians said today in his press conference, you know, gave the standard: we don't rebuild, we reload. Um, I don't know. I mean, if this team has to do some shreddings for salary cap reasons, does Tom Brady want to stick around, or does Tom Brady move on somewhere to like for one last shot? The guy, thinks San Francisco, been, maybe for San Francisco for a year. Who knows? Another guy who's from the Bay Area. Uh, yeah. You know, would, would they? Now, before we move on, you know, last thing about San Francisco is. If you're the GM, if you're John Lynch, do you have if you have the opportunity to get Brady for one year and you're this close, let's say they they lose to the Rams or maybe even they make to the Super Bowl and they lose again and they think they're this close. Do you kind of gamble the the near future for bringing in a guy like Brady? If you don't I think, think Trey, I, yeah, I I would. Trey Lance, if you don't think Trey Lance is ready and you don't think Jimmy G's the reason why you can't get over the hump. Would you pull some put all your chips in right now? You think that window is still here? I would start still- I would start that that those conversations sure. See if it's there cuz it might be. And if that's the case, I mean, the near future for quarterbacks and we're going to get to this in the second half of this episode here, but the near future for quarterbacks is not like and that means, you know, for them, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo and whoever is in this draft, it's not that great. So, if you choose to move on from from all of that right now for a, a legitimate shot, and I obviously we think Tom Brady brings them a legitimate shot at a Super Bowl at this point. Um, 
I would do it. I mean, I don't know the situation with all of their roster and who's got expiring contracts and if, if this is like a final push for them or if they've really got sustainability going forward. But if they do, absolutely. Would you not? Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard. Usually that's kind of a, a, a storyline and a narrative during a broadcast. It's like like we've heard it with the Bucks a million times. You know, part of that's because Brady's so old. Like, is this the end of the road? But you watch a 49er game, you don't really hear those things. You hear up-and-coming team, and they've rebuilt, you know, from, you know, being in the Super Bowl five, six years ago, hitting rock bottom, being back up again. Um, and it doesn't mean they're giving up on Trey Lance. It's just like if the opportunity's right now, and you can't wait for Trey Lance, do you make the move to – because winning one Super Bowl, they're very, very hard to win. And ask teams like Buffalo, ask Minnesota, ask these teams that have never won one. And when you're this close, you know, you make the push to get him. The future be damned. Hell, the future. Yeah. Um, So then if Tom Brady leaves Tampa, does Bruce Arians as well? Bruce Arians is getting old. He is old. He's had – I think he had a cancer scare, I believe. He's had some health issues also. There's nothing for him really to prove anymore. I mean, the the guy, you know, he won a Super Bowl – uh, I don't think he wants to hang around. He said, they, we, he, in his own words, we rebuild, we, we reload, we don't rebuild. So that kind of implies to me he doesn't want to rebuild if he has to. So I think he would probably move on as well. Yeah, and th- I mean that to, that really I, is the turmoil left behind, huh? And I said this to my friends, all the Buck fans that I'm friends with, that you realize, of course, you're selling your soul to the devil for the next two years, never mind that you're bringing in Brady and Gronkowski who you cursed out for 20 years, but this is not part of a plan for a long-term sustainable run. This is, we are going for it right now. And really, I thought it was maybe for one year. I mean, even That's what I thought, yeah. Even squeezing a second year, you know, water out of the rock is probably more than most people thought. So, you know, I think they probably have to start all over again for, you know, I don't, their cap story is pretty bad as well. They're going to do a lot of shredding. The team has built a lot of veterans, um, but you know something? They won one, and again, if you're Buffalo— I mean, it's worth it. Yeah. Of course it is. It, it, no debates at all. And speaking of Buffalo, that was probably the most insane game. I mean, we don't have to like really recap it at all. I mean, we know. Everyone knows at this it. point. It was it was absolutely insane. I feel, I feel dreadful for Josh Allen because he really did— he, somebody said it that, that perfectly on Twitter, and I don't know. He's like, just that he played perfect, and they still lost. Um, it's kind of true, and it's kind of the story of Buffalo, right? Yeah, I, I saw something also funny on Twitter that the uh, the 19 seconds, um, Dak Prescott's quarterback sneak took longer than those 19 seconds did. Uh, <laughs> something like I think it was. I, I don't know. It's something. Yeah, it's something jokes. like that. <laughs> yeah, there was, uh, <laughs> but there was. Um, yeah, I saw something else that said, <laughs> "Don't don't ever let a, a woman tell you that thirteen seconds isn't enough time or something like that." <laughs> so, but I mean, insanity, insanity. Uh, what Patrick Mahomes can do with nineteen seconds. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the big takeaway for me for this game, you know, unfortunately, is the discussion about the overtime rule and just. I guess officially, for the record, what is your 
How do you feel about the overtime rule? Do you think it should be changed? Do you like it the way it is? What's your, what's your feeling? I'm not saying that there isn't a better way to do it, but I think the substandard, half-assed, lazy response to say a, a coin flip determined this game, it, it's just lazy and it's not offering anything. Uh, you know, And I don't agree with it. I mean, you pay 11 guys on defense to play defense at the end of the day and I know it's an offense driven league and I know that the defense is at a disadvantage or whatever but this is the playoffs this is football I mean at a certain point it's not as if a field goal ended the game all they had to do was stop them I mean it's not easy and I'm not saying it it, it, whatever but I don't I don't have a general disdain for for the rule the way it is I, I like I said I think it could probably be better I'm not really sure what that way is but I just think th- the idea of complaining that a coin flip change it, it is useless to me because otherwise you're just saying that defense is academic and points are to be expected and whatever I mean it, that's when you pull out all your stops in a divisional game your defense I mean this should be you, your finest play cause this is your moment the same way it is on offense so I, I don't buy it, and I'm fine with it the way it is for now. Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> for you people that are old, that's an old Saturday Night Live skin. Uh, yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, see, my thing is always about fairness. And to me, the defense is usually exhausted by the end of the game. So you're not getting the defense at its best at the very end. Offense has the advantage anyway. They, you know, they know what they're trying to do. Defense job to stop it. I, I just, you know, the, it is unfair that a coin toss kind of... But it doesn't. So much, you're in so much of an advantage. You're, it's a huge, huge advantage. And there's no other sport where each team has an equal opportunity and extra time to score. I mean, it's just almost like you're saying you're changing the game to be like you have to... One team is trying to score. One team is trying to stop them. If one is successful, one is not, we're done. You know, in every other sport, you know, you in baseball, you know, the the, the away team, they hit first, the, they hit a home run, okay, bottom of the inning, they have a chance to tie it. There's no like That's well, because you can only it. score on one side. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like it's like telling a, a pitcher, well, pitch better. No, it's not because you can't score on defense in baseball. You have that's the only way you can do it in baseball. It's not a it's not a good analogy. Right, but if, 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 unless you have a pick six for a touchdown or something, you, the, the scoring on defense doesn't apply in overtime. It doesn't matter. You have, you, you have to stop them. You you can stop them or you can score on defense. You can't right, but, in baseball. I mean, there is literally it would be literally impossible to win a game if you didn't give both at-bats in baseball. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a fair it, comparison. It's basically the same thing. I it's, mean, just it, because... It can't be on its face. It just can't be. I'm sorry. Baseball is a bad analogy. Your better analogy is soccer or hockey because you play defense and offense at the same time. That's your better analogy, and no, that's but, a fair I mean, okay, one. Okay, so, so how, many, how many games in overtime have ended on a defensive score? I don't think that's relevant because that's not the only way to do it. You can also just stop them. You have two shots. You have right. two ways to win. You can either stop them and go on offense and score, or you can score on defense. Right, but if you, you, if you but you, without having you know, 50% of your game, 50% of your team not even have a chance to match what they did, it just it makes no sense. It's, it's, just, it's beyond comprehension to me why that is allowed to happen. 
and I and I've hated this rule for forever ever since there was overtime and the rules are even worse before i mean before it would just go 40 yards and you know you kick a field goal game over that was just beyond asinine at least they're making making you know the, the offense earn a touchdown to end the game but i don't know i think there's so many different ways that are more fair and quite honestly more exciting you know if we, if we, if we want pure, the pure entertainment factor of a game i mean you could do anything like the college system you could do you know, you can make it more fair to you can make it more fair for the away team. And this is something interesting for the playoffs to give them a real home field advantage of they get they always get the ball first in overtime. That way you, you you're earning your home field advantage. There's a lot of ways. But I just think every team should have at least one shot on offense. And I mean, I'm down with with that. That idea is that each team gets a shot. Home field gets first shot. That sounds fun. Um, yeah. I'm just saying. The way it is, I I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's fair to say the defense the defensive players have to play and they don't have to score. All they have to do is get a stop. They they are at a disadvantage, but it's not the same level of productivity is not needed. I mean, a simple thing as an offensive player just getting a drop is monumental for defense, and you don't even have to do anything. A simple mistake on offense even works in your favor. So. I'm I'm okay with the way it is. I think it's fine. I think your suggestion is also good. I think that's fair, especially in the playoffs. I I can I have more of a problem with it in the playoffs than any other time. But speaking of playoffs, next week, who do you got? Cincinnati is now at Kansas City. The line is Kansas City minus seven. And again, there's a little recency bias. We bias. We just saw that Kansas City team. We saw an unstoppable offense. We saw, you know, besides Mahomes. All of these weapons, they're all like super duper versions of Kadarius Tony. Like, it's okay, he's the guy's a joystick, he's on a swivel, but these guys are all better versions of that. <laughs> um, I, I just find it very hard to believe that they can match score to score with them. I, I'll, uh, I'll give the points and I'll take Kansas City. I like what Cincinnati's done. I think it's really impressive, and I don't ever, ever, ever want to discount what Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase can do together or what Joe Burrow is capable of doing on his own. That said, I think Cincinnati might have overachieved just a little bit advancing this far. I just think as a franchise and in the way they're rebuilding, they're just not there yet to take on something like Kansas City. But what they've already accomplished is absolutely beyond commendable. Um, But I just think... Even if they were playing at home, this would be hard. But they're playing in Kansas City. I got Kansas City for this one. San Francisco at L.A. L.A.'s got minus three and a half. This one's a little bit more interesting, isn't it? You know something? I am gonna ride, I'm going to die on that hill of Matthew Stafford, prove to me you're good. Prove to me you're a winner. I've been wrong so far in the, in the playoffs. Um, San Francisco has got that it. Again, winners win. Uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, if you were having a draft of all the quarterbacks in the league, I don't think he's going to be in your top five, may not be in your top 10, but he knows how to win. Uh, you know, having Bosa back and having health, having him healthy is really huge. Uh, the Rams have no running game. Uh, that stadium could be. Could be a 50-50 split in fans. I did. See yeah, I, they they I, they blacked out ticket sales for for everything outside of the greater LA area, right? Yeah, exactly. So that you know, and, and remember that the the Niners were there a couple of weeks ago when they had to win to you know to get in the playoffs and everything, and 
you know, they'll make the trip down. I, again, I'm going to say it again, and I'll probably be wrong again. Matthew Stafford proved to me you're a winner. And until then, I'm going to take, I'll take the points. I'll take San Francisco. I could see that one. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I do think that both of these offenses, whether McVeigh's or Shanahan's, is going to score points against Kansas City. That's what I think. The difference is is which one of these defenses is going to be able to stop Kansas City. Uh, That's going to be the most interesting thing to me. Uh, That's kind of irrelevant for right now. I just think that's interesting either way, is that either one of these teams is probably going to score points against Kansas City. They are just offensively designed so, so well. I'm going to go with L.A. in the points here, but only because only because I think San Francisco is just still banged up. Um, and I think the injuries are just sure. working against him at this point. But I, I could be easily coaxed the other way. It's still very, very early. Um, and that said, it's not too early to get your bets in. So uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is officially live in New York State with mobile sports betting just in time for football playoffs. Right now, you can place a bet from anywhere in New York with DraftKings Sportsbook, including from the comfort of your couch. To add to the excitement, DraftKings is giving new customers a special offer that you don't want to miss. Bet just $5 on any playoff game and win $280 in free bets if your team is victorious. The wait is over. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the DraftKings great promotions and features, including same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code, JustGiants, and get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code JustGiants this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full details. Must be 21 years or older and physically present in New York. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. All righty. We will yeah. be betting a lot. We will be betting a lot this weekend, Grum. Trust me. <laughs> I mean, this is the time to do it, man. Your team's out of it. The best thing you can do is sit back and enjoy because otherwise you end up miserable like us. So <laughs> that brings us into the current situation of the New York Giants and how to fix this mess on the screen before you if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be for all of this offseason material. Uh, you will see a graph of the Giants depth chart as it stands with expiring contracts in red and other contracts that are remaining in white. So you can get a good visual of just how bad this roster is while we go through our little plans here to how to fix this team. So, Cranky, I want to let you go first because I know you are a big-picture guy. So give us the big picture. Yeah, our homework assignment for this week was if Grump or I were the GM of the New York Football Giants, what would we do to fix this team? What's our plan? What's our – so we – each took a different tact on how to do this. I did it more of a big picture vision statement. Like what are the, I call them the six pillars of what I would do. Uh, Grump is going to give you his plan, which is a little more tactical, which is, you know, we love Grump for, and that's what he brings to here. But I'm going to start I'm a up Navy with SEAL, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what I have in my hands right here, this is the plan <laughs> to fix the New York football giants. Six parts. Um, we are right now, you know, I'm going to pretend I'm Joe Shane. I am, I'm the GM. What am I doing? 
the first thing I have to do before I do anything is it's, is I obviously hire the head coach. What kind of head coach do I want? I want a young guy, offensive-minded, comes from a progressive offense, who believes in analytics to you know help him with his decision-making and just his overall philosophy. I mean, just look at this. Look at the games yesterday. Look at Kansas City and look at Buffalo. Those are teams that are, you know, it's fourth and three. They're going for it. They have the confidence in their quarterback. They have the confidence in their schemes. They're going for it. Winning football means you have to have the ball more to give you more opportunities to score. And to me, you know, this outdated system that the Giants have done forever of like, okay, it's fourth and two. Let's let's be conservative. Let's pin them back. Let's make it harder for them to score. It doesn't work in this league anymore. You have to be progressive. You have to go on the attack and go for the kill. So I would go out there. I don't want a retread coach. I don't want a guy that's failed two, three, four times. I don't want a guy who, you know, is a safe pick. I want a guy who's going to – who comes from a comes from an organization that has proven already that they are on the forefront of, uh, you know, offensive expertise, ex- offensive genius, offensive excitement. Because not only do I want to have an efficient offense and one that's going to score a lot, I also would like to be entertained. You know, we, we spend a lot of money, a lot of time talking about this stupid team, taking the train out to the Meadowlands, sitting in the cold. If they don't win, they're not going to go 16-0, and but damn it, the games they lose, I'd still like to be entertained with a good-looking <laughs> offense at least. So that's my first pillar is I want – and that's before I do anything else, I need to get that coach on board so we can start working together like this. We need to be in sync. I know as Bill Parcell said, you know, someone supplies the groceries before I can cook. I want those two working together so I'm getting the right groceries so I can cook the right meal for this team. So does that mean that guys like Brian Flores, Dan Quinn, uh, Lou Anarumo, who was also interviewed, those, Leslie Frazier, those guys are off because they're defensive guys? That would be – in my preference – That's fine. Not, I'm just not asking that Not that they're out, but they are certainly not preferenced. Gotcha. Okay. You know, I, you know, I, I, I want to cast a net and I think – now, what was Abraham Lincoln said? He had a uh, his cabinet of his enemies. I think it was I forget the exact term, but he wanted to have he wanted an players. offensive young guy to with a modern <laughs> offense. <laughs> exactly, you know. And uh, Edward Stanton was like, "No, we need to have defense." <laughs> he was Secretary of War. Or but yeah, no, I, I, I want to I want to have my interview process where I want to challenge what my thought process is because somebody might be out there who might just wow me with you know their philosophy and their insights and things but and again this is not something this is not written in stone I'm written <laughs> I'm not it's a Moses cocktail napkin i think mountains. this is written in paper with pencil <laughs> here a bradley pencil replug uh but no but i mean this is my, my basic guidelines of how I all right, all right move on move on give me two number two i don't want a no jerk reaction a no knee-jerk reaction to the roster not we're cutting everybody right away i want Mm. an honest evaluation of everybody in the organization players coaches scouts everybody a do they fit the philosophy of what we're trying to do going forward because we're probably going to be shifting now if i'm if it's gm cranky fan we're shifting the philosophy of this team you know offensively overall 
So I want to make sure they fit this philosophy for what I do. And I also want to make sure I want to evaluate and make sure that these guys are good enough for this system I want to do too. So, you know, does the people on this current roster, do they fit, you know, the culture of what the GM and the head coach are looking for as well? You know, are, are they the right fits and everything? So to me, I know a lot of people are out there are like, I'd get rid of everybody. Just start cutting away, cutting away, salary cap, salary cap, be damned, cut, cut, cut. I want this to be a very thoughtful process because this is not an expansion team. We are not filling 46 roster spots. There is some talent on this roster. You know, the, the injuries and the coaching and all that other stuff impaired our overall vision of what we have, but we have diamonds in the rough here. So I want that evaluation, which should start really as soon as the head coach and the coordinators are installed to take place. And I want it to be done right and thorough and thoughtful. Number okay. three, once I do that, I want this organization to establish some timelines. Timelines when it's realistic that this team is ready to be a playoff team. Timelines when it'll be realistic for this team to be a Super Bowl contender. The big problem this team has had in the last decade or so is they don't have a timeline. They were like, we still have Eli. Let's try a little longer. They weren't looking short-term and long-term properly. You know, even this year, you know, we almost made the playoffs. Nobody believed this team was a playoff team. They made some moves that might have been like, let's get us over the the hump to be make it to the playoffs, but maybe at the risk of what a long-term vision for this team needs to be. We talked before about San Francisco. What's their window? There really is no window with the Giants. It was just kind of making some moves to try to get into the playoffs. I think after that, number two, that honest evaluation of this roster – and what we have, then we start thinking, is this team, should we start rebuilding this team with the thought of, we're only about a year away from making the playoffs, or are we really two, three years away? That will really guide the decision-making in the draft, whether you know we trade down and try to get more picks, who we're trading, it'll make our decision on who we're cutting, you know, current salaries going forward. So I think it's very important that this vision of being realistic and being honest with yourselves, and I think the best thing that can happen is bringing outside people in because I think if they would have brought in, you know, Kevin Abrams or something, that vision is skewed because of biases towards who they've already picked and all that stuff. So I think number three is very important. I think it's going to happen because we have outside brokers coming in who have a fresh pair of eyes with everything. All right. Hand me with four. Number four. I'm open to any offers for trades for anybody. That includes draft picks, current roster, and I'm not just talking about even for trading guys for you know for current salaries to get off the books. I'm talking about who we may need to trade going forward also. To me, there is not one person on this roster with the possible exception of Andrew Thomas who is untouchable. I think that four goes with three very you – know, they go hand in hand almost. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if somebody comes to me and – desperately wants a quarterback and it happens every single year in the draft i'm not saying screw you i'm st- i'm staying at number five this is i'm taking this this tackle or this edge rusher and the hell with it i'm listening and i think once we've established you know if they if they have an honest assessment and say we are further along away than we think we are consider those trades so being open-minded in the trade market coming up starting with this draft i think is very important 
Number five, Daniel Jones. Thinking about Daniel Jones. I would not pick up the fifth-year option for him, but I absolutely – he is my quarterback next year. I think you need to do an honest evaluation. Use that whole year as an evaluation on him. The assumption is we will be hopefully healthier than we were this year. Um, the assumption is we will probably be getting an offensive lineman or two to help you know, either through the draft or free agency somehow, maybe a chief free agency, just to help make this offensive line better. The expectation is if we're doing my program, we have an, uh, an offensive-minded head coach who has a, an offense that may work with Daniel Jones. I mean, I remember I was watching the Buffalo game yesterday and I just kept thinking to myself, you know, Daniel Jones is obviously not Josh Allen, but I could see him running this offense. I mean, I could see him being better as a quarterback running that offense than what we're doing. We're trying to do lately. I agree. So, yeah. So to me, you know, in, in this year, you also using for a health evaluation is the guy you didn't get hurt again, trying to run an offense. You know, Josh Allen ran a little bit. You know, we know that Daniel Jones can move a little, but every time he runs, he gets hit and he's out. I mean, you use next year for that evaluation. Um, again, overall, health and quality of the offensive roster is going to help into this determination of Daniel Jones as well. Um, if we like what we see in 2022, if he shows he can be, you know, healthy for 16 games, if we see potential, the coaching staff sees they can work with him in the scheme they're trying to do, well, then you franchise him and you work towards building work towards getting a new contract that makes sense for both sides. So you're not stuck with a franchise tag with him and really screwing up your roster. But Daniel Jones to me is still an incomplete. I see some things that I really like, like the new, the new Orleans game. I see a lot of things I don't like, but I don't know. A lot of things I don't like are not necessarily his fault. So number five is Daniel Jones. We, we, we wait and see with him. We evaluate. Okay. And number, and number six I build inside out, you know, this offensive line, you know, to me, I'm acting like Gates and Lemieux are not coming back at all. They probably will, but you know, who knows, you know, how effective they'll be coming back from, from big injuries. I have to start by building this offensive line. And I know it sounds cliche. And I know we've been saying it, but it's just, you can't stray from that. I mean, you know, Dave Gettleman said building the hog mollies and then, he starts drafting Kadarius Tonys in the first round and things. So he went away from his, you know, his axiom, his, his pillars. I mean, defensive line, same thing. We need an edge rusher on this team. Uh, we have to think about replacing Dexter Lawrence at some point because his contract's going to run out. What do we do for him? We don't want to be in a situation where we, we're, we're, we're trying to catch up. We'd like to probably draft somebody that can be as, potentially his replacement. I think you build that way more. I mean, this is also going to depend on what we do for a defensive coordinator. Are we going to stay with a 3-4? Are we going to be more traditional? I don't know what we would do. Um, then work on building, rebuilding your linebacking core. You know, I don't know I, I don't know how comfortable I am feeling with, with Raglan and, and Crowder as my starters next year. I, I think it has to be addressed. So I think you worry about your core, your inside, the lines, linebackers. Then you worry about the out, outside guys because this team needs to be built it's to be rebuilt, and those are the things that are the hardest to accumulate. You get them now, and you build around that. So that is my six-point plan for getting this, you know, establishing the foundation for the rebuild for this. 
I am I'm on board with Honest Abe here. I mean, this is this is a good plan. I I'm right there with you. You know, modern offensive coach. You know, uh, you don't go through with a with a complete fire sale right away. You give yourself an honest evaluation. I especially like the idea of establishing timelines. Right, if you have a vision and you're truly tearing everything down and starting over, which is what we're doing here. I mean, dude, we we fired everyone, so. Um, you need to set up timelines. You need to start reaching some deadlines and goals and, and you know achieving them because without deadlines, you can take your time. You can change your mind. You've got to, you've got to push to move forward. So and, I especially but, but, like that. And at the same time, you're not rushing decisions because if you think right. we, are, we are legitimately two – we are legitimately two to three years away from making the playoffs. You're not going to in year one make decisions that are trying to rush the process when you know that's not legit. So it works both ways. It doesn't give you all the time in the world to do something, but at the same time, it doesn't make you do dumb decisions now. All right. Um, I want to switch over to mine, which is a little bit more in-depth because, I, I mean, I don't know who's going to argue with you on yours. I mean, absolutely brilliant, right on I, right on point. I, Seriously. I think they need to be said. I mean, it's just something yeah. like Oh, you know. no, you're right. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, obviously, we're going to start right away with hiring a head coach that shares the vision for this team as the GM. You know, Joe Shane's got to hire a guy who's got the same ideas as him. And that, you know, I'm hoping and I'm assuming that that vision involves scoring lots of points, utilizing a modern offense, and making a defense that can create pressure. I mean, these are very general things that I'm saying. They're not very specific. And because I don't know who the head coach is going to be, I'm just going to speak in somewhat generalities going forward while also diving into very specific things. So this is kind of like, um, I don't know, it's just kind of a, a general thing and basically how I would be doing things. Um, for starters, you have to decide where you're at with Daniel Jones. And for me, Jones is probably not the guy, right? But also... There's really nobody in this draft that I want, I don't think. At this point, January, where we are, I'm not seeing a quarterback. I'm not hearing names about quarterbacks that are the, the surefire guys. There's no Kyler Murrays in this draft that I know of. I mean, it's still early, whatever, but that's my current view of the matter. Now, that what that means for me is that Daniel Jones, don't fuck with him this year. Don't bring in a veteran that's going to push him for playing time. Don't reach in the draft for anything that's not there. Roll with Daniel Jones this year. And what that means for you is keep acquiring assets for the next year. Get yourself a second first round draft pick in 2023. You are going to need assets to get your quarterback because I guarantee you Daniel Jones is not that guy. But if I'm wrong, you have lost nothing by gaining an additional first round draft pick. So my philosophy is when you're not sure about your quarterback, keep kicking the can down the road. Keep getting two first-round draft picks. Keep trading back until you're in the year where the guy you want is there. You have the ammo to go get him. And that could be a veteran that's shaking loose like a Tom Brady or somebody younger probably. I don't I don't know. But it could be a guy that you could trade for. You can trade that asset for to get someone out of a situation they don't want to be in. Or it could just be trading up in the draft for the guy that you do want. And Grump, there's two advantages to doing just that. Number one, He's not getting paid that much. And yeah, he's two, cheap. And number two, you're not a quarterback away from making the playoffs. So it's not like you are stalling progress. You know, We're not losing a year of the window because of Daniel Jones. We can kind of play him out. And we're not slowing anything down from a quarterback perspective. As we build more assets, then that decision has to be made. But right now, there's no, there's no rush to get rid of him. Save right. the money. Save the draft pick. 
build around it, and then we'll, we'll worry about it then. Now, the next thing you have to do, we have to figure out the cap, and it has to happen early because you need it to start happening before the draft. Um, that said, I'm open to trading players or picks. Uh, I, I mean, there's certain there's certain guys that you think when you're like, we need to cut people to save money. Most of the guys that come to mind right away are actually kind of untouchable. I mean, the dead cap will offset so much of their cap hit that it won't actually be worth it to lose the talent you have. So the guys that immediately come to mind, like uh, Kenny Galladay, Adoree Jackson, even Logan Ryan, Leonard Williams, these guys are kind of in a no-cut year. Um, You're just going to have to live with them. So the only thing you can do to dump their contract is going to be to trade them for something. Assets, I I don't know. It could be anything. Um, That's the only way you're going to get rid of those. So you're going to have to find ways to cut the cap the other way. For me, the obvious candidates are Sterling Shepard, Kyle Rudolph, Riley Dixon. Sterling Shepard is going to be a heartbreaker, but he's coming off of a big injury. He's in a financially good year to to cut him uh, in, in terms of the cap. And you've kind of already drafted his replacement with Kadarius Tony, or at least a potential replacement there. So that one's a no-brainer. Kyle Rudolph's a no-brainer for me too. For what he's offered this team, you can get somebody for dirt cheap to do that. I mean, he hasn't yeah. done nothing so far. So get rid of that contract. Riley Dixon, same story. I don't think he's making insane money or whatever, but you can get anybody to punt the way he's punted for less. And I'm not going to get into hypotheticals on who you could replace him with. Anybody, any punter can punt the way he punted for us. So... Those are the big ones, but that's still only going to create enough cap room for about the draft class because that's only going to get us to around $15 million or something. So you're going to have to make a tough choice between James Bradbury and Blake Martinez. And for me, that tough choice has to be Blake Martinez. He's coming off of an injury. Even though he's only going to save $8.5 million versus Bradbury's eleven. Bradbury is at least playing up to what our expectations were. I'm not saying Martinez hasn't, but you've got to get rid of one of them. I'm going to get rid of the one that's coming off injury. That's just the way hard. I'm going to have to do it. And quarterbacks are harder to get on the open market. They're more expensive too. So I think they're, they're also harder to nail in the draft. I think they're way right. harder to figure out in the draft. So, you know, those are those are the, the cap things for me. Okay, cool. Now we're in a situation where we can sign a draft class. We can maybe bring in some depth. For me, the next couple years, our free agency should only be getting veteran depth while we draft the starting talent. That's what I want. That said... You can do a little gap bridging here. You can sign one guy, and I would suggest it be to the offensive line, to a minimum two-year deal, something small, but somebody who's a legitimate starter. You're not going out there to get a Patrick Omame, and you're also not blowing your load on a Nate Solder. Get somebody like the center from Tennessee, Ben Jones. He's he's coming up on a con- – this is his contract year. You could probably get him for about $5 million a year. I've cleared enough space to do something like that. Um, excuse my cat. All right. So that's kind of set you up for the draft, okay? For me, your first move has to be a tackle. There's You're in a spot to get a tackle. Tampa Bay has shown me you get the tackle early on that could probably play left tackle, but it's definitely going to handle right tackle, and you're set up. Now, if you've done that, you've got a, a good left tackle in Andrew Thomas. You've drafted your right tackle. I've just signed you a center. You should be feeling a little bit better about the offensive line with those two moves alone because between Nick Gates, Shane Lemieux, you've probably got – you've definitely got depth there you know, at some point. But you might have your worst offensive line starter right there and that's not so bad. You know? um, and also, you don't have to rely on help. You know, so much of the yeah. problem we found in this offensive line is having to help the right tackle with the guard. It's just creating problems everywhere. It makes the rest of the line weaker. If you have two foundational pieces on both tackles mm-hmm. – 
it, it, it lets the guards do their thing as opposed to having to help out on either side. Right. And and so we've got these two early picks, five and seven. One of those picks I'm using on that right tackle spot. It needs to happen, by the way, because I have Nate Solder here in white, but that's really a surefire red. He will be gone. Matt Pear also just tore his ACL, in addition to not really being good anyway. So it's got to happen. It has to happen, period. Now that might be five, that might be seven, but either way, one of those two picks, I want you to trade back. We need to get those assets for next year. You need to have two first-round picks because Daniel Jones probably isn't the guy. You have no idea what quarterbacks might come out next year and what they might do. You might have a Joe Burrow year. You don't want to be that guy that didn't trade back and doesn't hope, have the ammo now. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Correct. Uh, so I know that the temptation is going to be there for an edge rusher, and I, it sucks to suck, but here we are. We don't have the luxury to just build everything all at once right now. That's just the facts of the team. So blame it on the last regime if you want. That goes to your timeline, Grump. It's just like we're not one year away, fix all our problems in one year. This is going to be a multi-year process. Yeah. So like I said, sucks to sucks. Blame blame the last president. Um, That's just kind (laughs) of what you got to do. And you can probably trade back into the middle of the first round. You know, again, you're getting that first round pick for 2023 as well. Um, That middle of the first round, you're probably thinking get that center from Iowa, whatever. I'm saying you replace Blake Martinez with Devin Lloyd in Utah. I'm saying this in a, this is a very specific thing, but that's my hope is that he's viewed as that guy at that time because that's such a seamless transition. But right there in the middle of the first round, my best advice is to replace either Bradbury or Martinez or, or get yourself somebody that you know is perfect. It doesn't have to be an O-lineman, but you have to think about the defense a little bit because we probably sliced a little bit more than we wanted to. But that's really all I'm going to focus on for defense. For the rest of this draft really should be about making an offense because that's the only way, A, you're going to <coughs> evaluate Daniel Jones and it's the, t- the side of the ball that needs the most help. And quite frankly, it's an offense-driven league, period. You should be using your most valuable assets on your offense. That's just how the league is now. So this is going to be my only move for the defense is to get that inside linebacker to bolster that core there. In the second round, I'm thinking maybe if you're lucky enough to have a, a big edge rusher there, you can go that route if you want, but I'm not really thinking that right now. Right now, I'm thinking you're probably going to get yourself a center or a guard because all centers are guards. Um, and if you get yourself a center, you've got your replacement for when Ben Jones is done in two years or you can only use him for one year. You just play him at guard for a year. That's fine. You've already increased the you've upgraded the offensive line so much with such minimal work you know now it's time to start getting depth and and from rounds three on really all i'm worried about is fixing the tight ends because that's probably a good place to get some tight ends um and then you're going to start trying to replace those big contract guys you know adoree jackson is a press corner if you can find yourself another press corner kind of dangling there in the third round get him Get him. You're going to need him anyway. But if he can if he can push a Dory Jackson, you can get rid of that contract. You can get rid of Bradbury next year. You might even be able to cut Bradbury after camp. You don't know. Sure. Logan Ryan, a versatile safety, you could probably find that in third round. You can get rid of that contract probably. Uh, if not this year, then next year, and you can move on seamlessly into the night. Um, you know, more inside linebackers, but probably, you know, Tight ends is what we're going for here a little. We're going to have to find some tight ends here. And you don't have to get something flashy. You get yourself some blocking tight ends first. 
and you've I, also little, helped the offensive line, right? A little that's going to depend on you know what what's there. I understand, but have. and also what offensive coordinator, what type of you know how they value the tight end as well. But I get your point for sure. Yeah, I mean, I just think that you're more likely in these rounds to be seeing those guys. I mean, all these guys are going to be able to catch passes, but guys that you know for sure can block, that's what you're kind of looking for in that because we need it, and it will help this offensive line grow. Now, to me, the real genius of fixing the offensive line is, A, obviously it allows you to evaluate Daniel Jones, but there's one more move you might be able to make, right? If you can really significantly upgrade this offensive line, you can bolster somebody's trade value. Saquon Barkley. Barkley. There is no position like running back, like the way the NFL is utilizing it right now, as hired guns. I mean, we see it with Leonard Fournette. I mean, it's this is an easy – any team ready to make a push that thinks they're a running back away, Todd Gurley or something like that, yeah, don't you, you can trade him. It's a one-year rental for a team making a push. We were just talking about the Rams, and they can't run the ball. You know, you think uh, Saquon Barkley would look good in, in L.A. right now? Absolutely. So you you get him to start performing behind an offensive line next year. You give him five, six games. You're still before the trade deadline. You know, you start getting on those trade deadlines, start listening to offers. Because if you fix the offensive line, then I'm sure Devontae Booker is running pretty well, and any other running back you've got on the roster is going to run pretty well also. And what are we trying to win this year anyway? So, so, Grump, so Grump, you are not a long-term Barkley guy. You are a move on from him if the opportunity presents itself. I would like to be a long-term Barkley guy. I like him. I don't think it's financially feasible. I would have liked to, yeah, I would have liked it, to have Barkley at the start of his rookie contract in right 2023 now. or something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that goes back to our timeline also. They give, again, we're still two, three years out from the playoffs. In two, three years, Barkley's on year seven, year eight. Well, the thing is, is that even his rookie contract with where he was drafted is an enormous contract. So, yeah. I mean, I even on a rookie contract, I don't even think I would – I think uh, – I don't know. I'm really curious what his market value would be for his next contract because I think he, what he's going to be asking well, the, for – The other thing too is – Well, the thing is, is that he's – not really up to him what's going to happen with with a trade. I mean, if he's traded away, he's traded away. And any team that's going to trade for him is going to get him on that one-year rental. No, I'm talking about for his next contract. After, after, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I mean, it depends on where he is. Um, I, I, I don't know. Uh, and it really depends on what this final year is for him, mm-hmm. right? I mean, recency bias, like I said, people will – take running backs in the middle of the year because it'll put them over the edge. I, that's my big thing here is to get something for him where you'd otherwise get nothing because I don't think that they're going to get anything out of him after this year, after I 2022. Agree. I agree. Um, and like I said, from 2023 on, 2023 is when you're going to start maybe investing in the defense a little bit more, getting guys a little bit more custom fit for whatever the defensive coordinator is, whatever. But really you want to focus on that offense first because it's an offense-driven league. Um and like I said, you keep kicking that can down the road. If there's no quarterback next year you want to draft in the first round, there's no guy that you think is the guy, trade back, get a first rounder in the next year. There's always going to be a Teddy Bridgewater type guy out there. You can, you can Yeah, you can fill it. Yeah, exactly. What, what the Giants did with Kerry Collins and Eli Manning was correct. Had Kerry Collins, Eli Manning was the guy, you make the switch. That veteran Wait, guy... Wasn't it... Uh, Oh, sorry, Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner. Warner. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. 
what they did with Kurt Warner was correct. Yeah, they, veteran guy, but Eli is the guy. Hey, that was the a that was a great relationship for both of them because they catapulted Kurt Warner and up going to the Super Bowl afterwards. Which, yeah, I mean he's still bitter about it, but whatever. With us? Yeah, Kurt Warner I think has it out for the Giants a little bit. Yeah, but you know something though, playing with us probably got him that next job, which got him it there. absolutely did. That, I mean, I didn't yeah. say I didn't say he was justified in any of it. Just saying. <laughs> So that's that's my January 2022 vision for how do you fix this mess? And that it it's very general. I don't know a lot of specifics yet. I'm very early in the draft process as well. Very early in the free agency process as well. We're and we don't some, even know the head coaches yet. So yeah, we're gonna need some breaks. I mean, every team that was really bad to got to be really good had some breaks. I mean, Josh Allen dropped a little in the draft, and you know they got him. Other other teams could have picked him. You know, we're, we're going to need a, a break or two as well. But it's not as hopeless as it seems because I, I really think, and you believe it also, that we are not starting from – we are not starting from position that it appeared to be at the end of last year. I mean, there are, there are nuggets in this roster. We're not an expansion team. So, you know, it's just the question is going to be how do we navigate the, the, the minefield of the salary cap and – these injuries and things like that. And, and we'll see how it goes from there. But I think we have smart guys, guys that are all committed, you know, all the same vision going forward. I think some ground can be made up. I mean, I wouldn't book any playoff tickets for 2022, but you know, I think this could be a shorter than a longer renovation project than a lot of people fear. I think so too, and I, I I do agree with you. Obviously, we're this roster is not as bad as it appeared in the last couple games of the year. Um, I, th- I think I think anyone who really truly watched the Giants knows that. Um, you know, Colin Cowherd may not agree, but he's got other things to talk about, I guess. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, stay tuned, of course. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Football Grump or football underscore grump at the cranky fan. Be sure to follow us on, on Twitter also with like at just giants pod, subscribe to us on YouTube, all that stuff, because we expect a head coach to be hired in the coming days. And when that happens, we will go live as soon as we can and upload an episode. So that is the best way to be on top of that stuff. Of course you can subscribe on YouTube. You'll get alerts and stuff like that. That definitely helps. Um, but otherwise, We will be back next week with uh, another episode right here, same time, same place, Tuesday morning. And uh, we'll see you then. So until then, go Giants. Go Giants.